Uh, I got a question this morning as we get started here. How many of you have ever had, and please, please, please join us this morning and be honest, how many of you have ever had a conversation somewhat like that with God where you were just frustrated and you just let God have it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being honest, right? Uh, I don't know that the words smite me, almighty smiter have ever come out of my mouth, um, but I'm pretty sure I've been extremely frustrated with God. And the truth is, when we're frustrated, we're actually quite biblical. If you know anything about the book of Psalms, you probably know that they were written in some of the toughest, most intimate, most frustrating moments of David's life. And they put into language for us these feelings that sometimes we feel in the journey in a very powerful way. So I don't ever want you to think that God can't handle conversations uh, like that uh, as we begin here this morning. Now, I'm not much of a scientist. I know some of you that I see out here are, but I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. Perhaps you could call it an assumption. I'm going to go on on a limb, and if I had to guess, based on that clip that I just saw, I would say that Jim Carrey's character is probably a little angry with God. Right? I'm, I'm not much of a scientist, but I think that that would be a fair statement to say. And it's interesting because Bruce, in the movie Bruce Almighty, life has treated him pretty well up to this point. Bruce has had it pretty easy. He's worked hard. I mean, he's married to Jennifer Aniston, for crying out loud, right? Life has to be somewhat good for him. But there's just one area that doesn't seem to be working out, and that's his job. He thought he was next in line for an anchor position when someone was retiring, and it turns out... Another staff member was assigned that, and just, oh yeah, the little incident where he found out on live television and flipped out, and he lost his job, and in fact, ruined his career in just a single moment. It turns out he was wrong about his predictions that he would be the one to receive the job, and it turns out as his, vi- his expectations were violated, the, re- the natural reaction, as we see in that movie, is that he's ticked, right? He's upset. He can't handle it. And he's not just upset, as you can tell by watching that clip, because of his job, because he was overlooked, or because his career now lay in ruins. But I wonder if there's a lot more going on there. In his moment of need, in that moment of weakness, and you could even probably say quiet desperation, when he needs God the most, I think part of the reason why he's mad is every time that he's been going to God, it's been absolutely silent. You ever been there in a point in your life where you just felt things were absolutely at the end of your rope, and so you finally turn to prayer, and God just seems silent? Well, this week and uh, the, for the past few weeks, we've been working our way through our current sermon series, which is called Living the story, and it's a companion, it's a follow-up to a sermon series we did all last year called uh, The Story, where we got to know the story. And part of why we're doing this is we believe as a church, it isn't just something we do on Sundays, or it isn't just something we do as we read our Bibles. Christianity, that is, following Jesus is something that happens as we not only know the story, but we live it. And so we're looking at all these different topics. Last week, we talked about relationships. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we talked about the kingdom of God. We've been working away, and our goal is this. How do we, as Christians, as people uh, that want to grow and to know uh, our relationship with God and to experience that more fully, how do we not just become the kind of people that talk about the story or know the story, but how do we become the kind of people that live the story? 
And as part of this, at some point, as you look, as you understand God's story, you understand that there's episode after episode after episode. It's like Seinfeld, right? Episode after episode of God coming to people and speaking to them. And for some crazy reason, they hear his voice. And so as we look at that and we dive into that today, we have to understand that if we want to be the kind of people that don't just know the story but live the story then chances are we're going to have to address this challenge or this issue or this opportunity of being able to hear God's voice. And as we're getting started this morning, I just want to be honest with you. Uh, I want to just, as, as a pastor standing up here, I just want to have a little time of confession. And I just want to put something on the table. And you just let me know if you agree with me. Hearing God's voice for me is really, really, really stinking hard sometimes. Would anybody else agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about what we're just talking about. We're talking about the fact that you might be willing to admit publicly that you hear voices, right? We have a certain protocol that we normally do with people that admit to that. And maybe we're not talking audibly anymore. We'll we'll get to that in just a moment. But it's really hard. And I feel like I have put in some effort on trying to figure this out, but I'm still nowhere where I want to be. I mean, I've been intentionally trying to follow Jesus and orient my life around his teaching for over 10 years now, uh, I mean, I spent thousands of dollars going to seminary to be trained how to do all this stuff, right? To be a professional Christian of some sort, right? I still don't feel like I have this thing completely figured out. There are moments, and I have some cool stories, and we're even going to hear some today from people in this congregation where, where the signal gets through, the message is delivered, and it's, and it's really cool. But it is really really hard. And this should come as no surprise to us. At least it should come no surprise to me. Because even as humans, right? Human to human, communication is really hard, let alone human to divine being that's standing over here, right? If it's a two-way street communication and there's this sender and there's the receiver and there's this big chasm where all sorts of things happen in the middle, it's hard. Communication is hard. Husbands, can I get an amen? Yeah, there you go. You're like, I'm not going to say that out loud. Communication is hard. And It's hard enough in and of itself when we communicate to each other or when we're writing things into Word, but then we have this modern invention that comes along called autocorrect. Have you guys ever had an experience with this? I mean, I had a moment personally with this uh, where I learned a very valuable lesson, and thank goodness I didn't hit send before it went. My wife, and I love her, she's sitting back over here, her name is Heather right? And this really cool invention called T9 came out. Remember T9? I mean, it used to be when you first had to send a text message, it was like, oh, I want the letter C. You hit the one key one, two, three times, A, B, C, and then you'd move along. And T9 came out and it was like, oh my gosh, it's going to save us all of this time. I mean, our lives will be radically changed because of this ability. You just have to hit the right combination of keys. It'll generate a word and it's going to be the word that you want probably. And then you just send your message. You don't even have to think about it. Here's a piece of advice. Proof your text messages before you send them, okay? All right? So I type in the keys, and my wife's name is Heather, and I want to just send her a little note during the day to say, hey, I love you, Heather. I looked at it before I hit send. You know what it said? Hey, I love you heavier. Right? Thank God I didn't hit send, right? She's very gracious, and she would have forgiven me, but I'm not the only one. This happens to other people too. I've got some examples. Let's look at them up here on the screen. Your mom and I are going to divorce next month. What? What? Can you just picture like some, some girl in college and she gets this text during class and she's like, what? Why? Call me please. And you could just imagine her getting up and like running out of the classroom that she's in. And then the dad says, oh, I wrote, I wrote Disney. 
I wrote Disney, the phone chain. We're going to Disney World next month. Just a little bit different of a message there. But it gets even better. And this is the one where it might be PG-13. So just hold on your hats there. I'm at a holiday party. Woo! Feces Navidad. This is a, a witty person on the other end of this text message. So they write back, whoa, what a party pooper, right? <laughs> oh, ha, ha I meant fe- Feliz Navidad, which is Spanish for Merry Christmas, if you don't know that, by the way. So they write back festive. But here's the one that gets me every time. I just, I can't imagine this person's thought process. Where's Granny? I thought she was going to be here for Thanksgiving. And the dad, I'm assuming, I always blame the dad. The dad says, well, Grandma's in the grave. <laughs> what grave? What are you saying? You didn't tell me about this, right? Oh, whoops, sorry, it was the garage. Oh, autocorrect. Communication is really hard. And this stuff doesn't help us, right? I mean, there are thousands of these on the internet. Not all appropriate, so please use your filter when you read these. But uh, maybe it's the fact that I have a cold. Uh, maybe it's the fact that these... I mean, I lost my breath and almost had to get my rescue inhaler for my asthma. I was laughing so hard at some of the failed attempts at communication. Communication is really hard stuff. And if we can't seem to figure it out between person to person or even using a technological device like a phone, let's just be honest with ourselves. Talking to God and hearing His voice back... It's going to be challenging. And so I just want to start this morning as we talk about this and offer a little bit of wisdom and and how we pursue this in faith to hear God's voice. Let's just cut ourselves some slack and let's just be honest with about how hard this is. It wasn't always like this, though, when we had things like autocorrect to communicate. In fact, once upon a time, you know, before we had devices like this, we had amazing devices like this. Now, you might be saying, well, that looks like another phone. Yeah, absolutely. It's not mine. It's Pastor Richard's. Uh, I stole it from his desk because he has this as a, as a memory of where we've come from. I just want you to notice how thick that is, right? Is that going to fit in your pocket? I mean, look at, this, look at this comparison right here. There's a little bit of, you know, if you sat on this in your back pocket, you'd have to go see a chiropractor or something, right? But it was interesting talking to Pastor Richard this week and listening to him talk about this phone. When he got it, it was amazing. He went on and on about it and the features and all the things he could do. You know why he was stoked to have this phone? It had voicemail and caller ID. He went wild for that. And some of you are nodding your head right now because you were there when that was an amazing feature, right? And he went on and on and he talked about this and he just how much he valued and appreciated having the ability to have a standalone phone. And I said, oh, standalone, like it's not a bag phone. Do you guys remember the bag phones? I mean, those were around when I was a kid. And he goes, no, standalone, like it stands on my desk alone. It just sits like that. That's how, that's that's an extra feature you have to pay a little extra money for. He went on and on about the features and how much he appreciated this phone and he loved everything about it until the next, you know, greatest thing came out. and, And that's probably another part of the story. But he loved everything about it, except the one thing you need a phone for, and that's to make calls. That's to make reception. He said that this thing dropped calls all of the time, right? He'd be standing someplace, and he'd have to start doing one of these to get it to work and to figure out. And I had personal experience with my first cell phone like that as well. It did everything that he wanted it to, except make calls. And so Richard told me as he would use this thing, he would get more and more frustrated. And I wonder if that isn't some of the exact same frustration that old Bruce was experiencing at the beginning of this sermon in that video clip. 
And I wonder if it's not the same frustration that maybe you might be walking in here possibly today in your prayer life, right? You're in these moments and you need God to speak or you want to hear God's voice. You want to know, I mean, I've got A, B, C, D, all the way on down to Z as options. And I need help picking something out. And yet you go to God and all you get is silence. Cell phones have come a long way since, you know, back in these days. And I mean, I can, I can land a, a jet on an aircraft carrier with this phone. I don't know if I, anybody told you that. No, I can't, I can't do that. But, but there are a lot of amazing things that you can do with it. I mean, you can accomplish a lot. And if you went back, if you existed 20 years ago with this phone, I mean, you would have been a celebrity. You'd be a billionaire right now because it can do amazing things. And as we understand, as we read about in Scripture, this ability to hear God's voice, this, this transaction, this communication that took place, we begin to understand and we get this idea in our heads that a relationship with God can look like that. We can be a part of amazing things if we hear God's voice. And that's true. Except for this fact that there's something within us that acts a lot like dropped reception. In fact, for a lot of us, I feel like our experience is walking around with a prayer life that probably looks a little bit more like this than a little something like this. And this is nothing new. I mean, communication has been tough for centuries, right? And so the Apostle Paul had this to say about it. And let's read this verse together this morning. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And you read a verse like that and you say, well, when? When is the then going to take place? And the answer is when Jesus comes back, when we no longer have this filter on us that blocks part of the reception of hearing God's voice. <clears throat> the then is when Jesus comes back and conquers our enemies so there aren't a kajillion competing voices going after our hearts and our minds. Have you noticed how noisy the world can be? No wonder it's so hard to hear God's voice. And so as we enter in this conversation this morning, I don't only want you to know that this is hard and you should cut yourself some slack on it. I want you to know that, that a lot of us in this room are probably in one of four places this morning. Maybe you're the kind of person that wants to hear God's word. Maybe you're open, maybe life is good, and you're like, yeah, just keep it coming, God. Yeah, just keep telling me what to do. Remind me of how loved I am. Maybe your life is and your, your prayer life is just awesome right now. Maybe you're in a kind of mood where you want to hear God's voice and it's kind of just a, an extra thing that you get to do. Maybe, though, you're in the position where you need to hear God's voice. Maybe you've got some questions that you are dying to know what to do with. And so you keep asking, you keep asking. Maybe you're asking the question, I lost this loved one, am I ever going to see them again? Right? Maybe you're trying to choose between these options and it's, it's the lesser of two evils and you want to know what to do. Maybe you're asking, is my marriage worth keeping? God, how do you want me to love this person better? All of us at times in our lives get to these points where we need God to speak and when he doesn't <coughs> or when we are unable to receive, then we get frustrated. So we have people who want, people who need, people who need a drink of water, uh, and then we have the people who are skeptical. And just a quick word on that, I just want you to know if you're new today or maybe you've only been to Hope Des Moines a few times, if you've got big questions, awesome. 
awesome. There is room in this church for skepticism. If you think about the Christian story, what this book contains, I mean, we believe that a guy died who was God and was raised physically three days later. They can't find his body, right? You can't really look at that story for very long and think, well, yeah, I guess I could understand why people would have some questions, right? I mean, it's a big, big story. Let alone we come in and this morning we talk about hearing God's voice and the fact that God, we believe God speaks <coughs> to us. Of course people are going to have questions. I mean, does God really speak? If so, why? For what? How? What does it look like? And for those of you that want to be hearing but aren't, why doesn't God speak to me? That is a great question. So again, I want to remind you, there is room for the questions. God is bigger than your doubts. We understand him to be a God that loves us anyway. There is room for those things. And then there are those of you that are like me, and you're probably a little bit all of those things. There are times when you want to hear it, there are times when you need to hear it, and there are times when you just have questions. This morning I want to mix it up a little bit, and I just want to give you a minute to turn to the person next to you or find somebody if you can. But we're, we're a community that works through this together, and so I want you to take 10 seconds and think, well, which one of those am I? And then I want to give you just 30 seconds to a minute. Just talk to the person next to you or nearby you. Just share where you're at. Doesn't have to be super, you know, intimate or detailed or awkward. Well, it might be awkward, but that's that's good, right? Community is good. But I think there's something about acknowledging where you're at with this. So I want to just give you a minute or so to do that. Go ahead. I don't know if that was enough time, but you'll have time after the service. You can carry on your conversations. And here's the point I want to make uh, again. I just want to make sure this is clear. Wherever you're at in this conversation, in this journey, it's okay. Because it's okay to have questions. But the reality is, is as we as a church read scripture, as we understand the Bible, we, we believe that God does speak. Now, maybe not necessarily in the way that we think or would like him to. I mean, it would be great to have a billboard, right? I'd even take a truck full of signs uh, like he had on there let alone an audible voice that provides instruction, right? But God doesn't really seem to do that anymore, which leads many to ask, does he still speak today? And the answer for us as we read the Bible as a church is yes. God has been speaking to people for thousands of years. We have that as evidence in here. God has been speaking to people for thousands of years. Why would it be any different today? Why would it be any different today? And so what we want to do this morning is just walk you through a couple stories really quick um, just to get some quick lessons and kind of some nuts and bolts. This is going to be incredibly practical about how do I hear God's voice? Because if we're honest with ourselves, if we are in tune with what God is doing, rather than fighting, trying to do life our own way, things are going to be healthier and probably way more exciting. So let's dive in. If you got your Bible this morning, I would encourage you to turn to Exodus chapter 24. We're going to talk about a really, really, really long camping trip that Israel went on uh, with a guy named Moses. So Exodus is the second book of the Bible, uh, chapter 24. It's kind of uh, in the middle there somewhere. And I apologize, I don't have the page number for you. But if you flip through, it's, it's pretty close to the front of the book. So Exodus chapter 24, <coughs> starting in verse 12. And like I said, Israel is on a camping trip. They're on a, an excursion. They've been liberated from the oppressive uh, government of Egypt that held them hostage as slaves for years to, to build things. They've gotten so numerous uh, that 
um, that Egypt, at, even though they were reluctant to do so, eventually had to let them go. And here's why. Because God came and rescued them. God called and called them out of there. They became God's chosen people despite the fact that they had done nothing to earn it. Think about that. This entire group of people called Israel, because they're related to a guy named Abraham who God went to <clears throat> for no other reason than, than that he selected him, God went to them and adopted this group of people. And so as he pulled them out of Egypt, they kind of had some freak out moments as you know, they realized the the food wasn't as good in the desert and they realized it was hot and they might get thirsty and all these inconveniences happen, but they begin to persevere because every once in a while they actually get it right and they respond to God's voice. And finally, as they're walking through the desert on this camping trip, this what turns out to be a multiple decades long camping trip, God decides it's time to have a meeting. It's time to have a conversation and in that he wants to give them a gift. He wants to give them a picture of what it means to be in relationship with him, a kind of a rule book or an understanding of now that they're in God's family, this is how they have been freed to live. It's not the other way around. They don't follow the rules and then get into God's family. They've been brought into God's family, and now this is, as God has, has saved them and redeemed them, this is how they get to live. And so the, the story picks up in chapter 24, verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up with me on the mountain, stay there, and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So they're part of this covenant relationship and the picture that God's giving them, the the playbook for this, what it looks like to live in freedom uh, is called, you and I would call it the Ten Commandments, but they refer to it in here as the, the signs of the covenant. So Moses and his assistant Joshua, uh, verse 13 set out, and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. And verse 14, he covers his tracks, you know, lets them covers his duties, so when he leaves, everything will be okay. And then it says, he climbed up the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And jumping to verse 18, Moses disappeared in the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. And here's the interesting part. He remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I have had some heart-to-heart conversations, Right? But 40 days and 40 nights? This is an important conversation, and it's important because God has some important business to deliver. It's the picture of what it looks like to lead in covenant. And so God hands him those, and then he comes down the mountain. And you can pick that up in chapter 32 of Exodus, starting in verse 15. Chapter 32 of 15, and and God doesn't just let Moses go because he thinks he's done. God lets him go because, oh, they're just building a golden calf and worshiping other gods and breaking the first commandment before they've even seen the first commandment. So that's Israel for you. But this is what happens. Chapter 32, verse 15. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. There's that word again, covenant the undying relationship that they had nothing to do with getting into. God extended it to them. These tablets, they were inscribed on both sides, front and back, and these tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. Moses comes down the mountain and he's got this beautiful message to carry. He's got this, I mean, 40 days and 40 nights. Clearly, this was an important message that God wanted to give, right? And what's interesting is how does God deliver it? Does he need to do it face to face? I mean, he could. But for some reason, God puts it in writing. 
In short, Moses is now the guy that can say, Behold, I have received a text message. Right? It's the first text message. Thank you, somebody, for laughing at that. Nobody at the last service laughed at that. <clears throat> we have to ask ourselves, why is it delivered this way? Why did God choose words on a page, even if it's a stone page, versus any other way? And for Moses, it's tablets. Tablets of stone, not iPads. Right? For us, it's the Bible. God speaks to us through the Bible on your sheet in front of you there um, that came in your bulletin today. You should have a sheet that looks like this. Uh, There's some blanks you can fill in, and that's the first one I want you to fill in. God speaks through the Bible. But uh, I want to talk about why that is. Uh, We've got a verse here that talks about 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and it talks about the important... I mean, this isn't just a story. This is God's living Word. And let's read this together as well, because I think it speaks a lot about the way that God uses Scripture to communicate with us. Let's read this. All Scripture is inspired by God. God uses it to prepare and to equip His people. God uses it to prepare and to equip His people. <coughs> and part of the reason that we know that He speaks to His Scripture is you can't do that without communicating with people. So the scripture verses that God draws to your attention, that he lays on your heart, that all of a sudden he, he makes important to you in your mind, or maybe you hear and you're moved by, that's God communicating with you. There is power in this book, and this book is a gift that has been given to us. It's absolutely essential. God speaks through the Bible. But God doesn't just speak through the Bible. I'll give you the next blank you can fill in there, and we'll jump to the next story. God also speaks through circumstances. He speaks through our circumstances. And I cannot think of any better picture of what this would look like than my buddy Jonah in the book of Jonah. And I'll just read some of this to you because Jonah is one of those books that's like two pages <coughs> in the Old Testament and it's really hard uh, to, to find. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of some word I can't pronounce, Amidatai it looks like. All right, and check out this verse. Check out Jonah's, if, answer me if he had... Figure out here if he has any attitude, all right? God comes to him and he says, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment. Oh, there's a great idea. My judgment against that city because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3. But Jonah got up and ran in the opposite direction to get away. Right? Does this sound like there's a little rebellion in there? Absolutely. But God decides, you know what, we're going to use some circumstances to send Jonah a little message. And so verse 4, the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help. But you know where Jonah was as they're running around trying to figure all this out? He's asleep in the hold. He's with the cargo, taking a nap. Finally, they go to him and they're terrified and they say, why did you run away from your God? Because he'd already told them that he was running away from God. And uh, they said, what are we going to do about this? In verse 12, <clears throat> he says, throw me into the sea. Throw me overboard and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So they do that. And uh, the last verse there. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights, which sounds like a fictional tale, but did you know in the last 10 years they've found people that have been swallowed by fish alive? 
mean, that's crazy when you think about that. But God uses not just the stories or not just the scripture, but he uses the circumstances, right? Jonah is headed in one direction and God wants him to go the other way. So he just throws a little hurricane in there and almost wrecks the ship. God can use whatever he wants to speak, anything. And some people, I mean, humans, we love to push the boundaries, right? I mean, if I just said God can use anything, uh, I came across an article this week that really even made me question that. It's called 10 Times Jesus Has Appeared in Junk Food, all right? So God can use anything. Does he use junk food, right? Somebody found a a Cheeto in New York. These people kept it wrapped in a watch box, and it's still for sale if you'd like to buy it, all right? 2005, a couple from Florida found Jesus while enjoying a potato chip. That's a dark spot on a Lay's sour cream and onion potato chip. Uh, Somebody drove by a Pizza Hut uh, billboard and saw the spaghetti looked like the face of Jesus. I have a picture of a Funyun here. Anybody love Funyuns? Right? Did you know that uh, you can get Mary holding the baby Jesus in a Funyun? Uh, Apparently that showed up one time. But here's my favorite. All right? This woman made herself a grilled cheese sandwich. She got one bite into it and then realized that Mary was beautifully gazing at her from the toast. Get this, she saved it 10 years, and it never got moldy or crumbly. She took that as a sign. So she sold it to goldenpalace.com with the condition that it never be eaten. All right? And I've got a picture of one up here, a Marmite Marmite jar lid. A woman from Wales was making her son a piece of toast with Marmite on it when she happened to glance down at the lid that came off the jar. There on the underside was Jesus depicted in the yeast spread. I mean, of all the places Jesus is going to show up, I just, yeast spread? I don't know. Kind of have a hard time with that, right? There's a, there's a cup of hot chocolate. I mean, there's, there's dozens of these sightings. And so we ask, I mean, does Jesus really show up like that? I mean, he can do whatever he wants, right? Probably, maybe he could. Uh, but there are probably more understandable, probably more uh, fruitful ways that God is going to communicate with us. And I know that because I've seen that at work in this community. Hope Des Moines has people all the time that are hearing and responding to God's voice as they do that. And I want to invite uh, my friend Molly up here. She's going to share a little bit with us about what that looks like. So let's everybody say hi, Molly. And give her a round of applause. So Molly, I mean, we've, I've been up here talking for a while now and telling people about, you know, Jesus shows up in junk food, maybe, right? We've been talking about the Bible, we've been talking about circumstances, uh, but I thought it'd be good to have a normal person come up here and share a little bit about how they hear God's voice, um, which is courageous of you. Thank you for being willing to do this. Give us a little picture of what that's looked like in your life, though, and I know there are lots of people in this congregation that hear God's voice, but why don't you share a little bit about your experience? Yeah, um, for those of you who do not know me, I am Molly Myers, <coughs> and I have lived in Des Moines for two years, um, originally from Waterloo, and currently am a nursing student at Grandview University uh, in my senior year. Woo-hoo. Woohoo! Just want to celebrate a little bit. Um, so yeah, <laughs> throughout my lifetime, let's see... Um, Praying about this last night, one particular story really stood out um, as I have kind of began to learn, like, what does it look like to hear God's voice, to hear it on my heart, and how does that affect my day? Um, two years ago, I worked at a church out in Story City, and there was an elderly woman that sat in the back of the church, and she had her same spot every Sunday. She had a hard time walking, so she just, we had a special chair in the back for her, and every, it became a habit. Like, I'd go up to her and ask her how her day was, and... Every Sunday morning, we'd just say hello to her, and she'd give me a hug. And every single Sunday, she would look at me and either say a word, a <coughs> phrase, or a scripture that either spoke to me 
exactly at that moment, something that I had been thinking about that week, something that I had been praying about already, and she either said something that confirmed that, or it was a scripture that, like, a couple days later, I'd be praying, and all of a sudden, that scripture would be brought up. And every Sunday as well, like, after she would say this, and she would say a couple other things, usually, and then she would put her hand on my arm, and she would say, Molly, you're a sunbeam. And I remember thinking, like, well, I know the sun shines, you know, it's, it's light, but I just never really processed it a lot. A couple months go by, and one Sunday morning, she gave me a scripture verse, and, like, I started crying because it was something that hit me really deeply. And she put her hand, and she goes, Molly, you're a sunbeam. And I started to walk away, and she goes, do you want me to tell you what that means? And I was like, yes, yeah. because I, would, <laughs> I have no idea. And she's like, watching your life, this is something I've noticed, that it's not your job to light up the entire world. That is a big job. Your job is to light up one life at a time. And by doing that, you light up the whole world. And you impact one person's life in such a way that they, in return, can impact as well. And when I've been reflecting on that through two years ago and even now, sometimes during my reflection, I ask, what, how could she do that? What was she doing in her life to where she could talk so intimately into mine? And I began to think about how in my life when that has happened, it's when moments where I sit down and just relax. <clears throat> All the things going on in my day, papers I need to write, something that's going to be happening clinical, hmm. whatever that looks like. That's just not being, easy, is it? No, no. Trying to clear my mind and just be like, all right, God, like, what do you have for me today? What does it look like <clears throat> for me to live completely in you today? Um, some of that is through, I try to memorize different scriptures, and so when I'm in conversation, those scriptures can be brought to my mind as I talk to individuals. Sometimes it looks like, for me, uh, I believe that God places burdens on our heart, and that's something that I've asked God, like, the people in my life, like, what's your burden for them, Jesus, and how can I help you in that mission? Can and you just define that word? Because when I think burden, I think heavy load. Is that what you're saying? Like, Jesus is going to weigh me down? No. Okay, what do you mean? So what I mean by that is when I pray for different people, I think of like their situation or what's going on in their life. And my heart, I know the joy God gives. I know that he can free me, and I know that I live in that every single day, and that gives me hope. And in their situation, I believe God does the same thing. And I pray what that can look like and how I can be a part of that process for them. And so there's times where I'll get on Facebook and email someone and be like, hey, I'm thinking this verse. I hope you have a good day. Or I'll text them. Um, other times that's a little more risky is when you actually go to mm. someone face-to-face -face and be like, hey, I was praying for you this week, and here's this verse for you. I just want you to look at this. And it's been really cool to see God in those moments. And even though it's kind of scary and you're like, is, it, is this me or is this God? And being able to trust that God <coughs> gives us Verses that God puts things on our hearts that we can share with others um, is something that I'm learning in my own personal life of what that looks like. And I know you've been obedient to that. So as you've gone up to people and said, hey, what do you think about this? I feel like God told me to say this to you. I mean, what, what's happened? Um, one particular um, <clears throat> time this happened, I was in church, actually, and the pastor was talking about perseverance. And as I began to kind of process on my own mind, like, what does it look like to persevere in nursing school? What does it look like to persevere in different relationships in my life? The word, like, I just kept on hearing, not hearing, but just as I started writing stuff down, the words, like, never give up, kept on coming up in my head, up in my head. And so as the service went on after church, there was a lady in the church that I felt just, I wanted to go say hi to her and see how she was doing. And when I got up to her, 
I just, <coughs> on my heart, I was like, I just want to tell you to never give up. Do not give up. And she looked at me and began to cry. And I was like, oh, yikes. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I know that <laughs> never give up. And she began to just open up things that was going on in her life and things that she felt that she was giving up. And yet she knew God was calling her not to give that up. And so it was really cool to see when God puts things on your heart and he helps you to have the courage to speak them out loud, that it was meant to be. And that speaks deeply to a person. I think of the times where I haven't done that, where I get a little scared. I'm like, uh, maybe I'll pray about it a little more. Yeah. I talk myself out of it. But yet, each of us can be used in such great ways to talk truth and life into others and be able to impact them in ways that go way beyond us. And it's, I mean, it's what God does. He's huge, and he does awesome things all the time. And that so. connects us to a larger story. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you very much, Molly. Absolutely. And it's not just her. This is an email uh, I got this last week, actually, from a guy that I'm mentoring. He said, my job has me at Mercy Medical uh, Hospital almost every day. <clears throat> and I've been approached by a few homeless men over the last couple weeks. I wish I could help them financially, but this time I can't. What I've heard God saying to me, though, is that I should offer them water, a granola bar, and an invitation to the Breakfast Club ministry that we have here. I just offer that because... Uh, that's what it's about, I think, is people that are hearing God's voice or not necessarily just rejecting these crazy ideas that pop into their head. I mean, some of them are crazy and they need to be rejected, right? But other times, it's absolutely something that God wants to do and there are incredible uh, repercussions in a good way as we follow through on that. So we've talked about God speaking through word and God speaking through uh, circumstances uh, the final story, and it's the one that we had read for us already beautifully today, so I won't go in, into detail, but uh, the, the reading from 1 Samuel offers yet a couple more lessons about hearing God's voice um, that I want to make sure that we get across. Um, as you're reading this, and you, you know that Eli and Samuel, Samuel is being trained up as a priest in the Lord, and so God's working with him and guiding him, and Eli is kind of shepherding him through that, and so he keeps thinking that Eli is talking to him when in reality it's God. And so there's this back and forth that takes place, but eventually it dawns on them. And the verse says, Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy, right? It says right before that, that, that Samuel had never received a message from the Lord, and so he had no idea what that looked like. And as we read this story along with countless other examples in scripture, there's just a couple lessons that I want to make sure we get, and you can fill in the blanks on your sheet with these, right? Number three, learning to hear God's voice is a process, right? If it takes Eli time with Samuel to make sure to understand, and again, if it's as hard as we say it is, if we're challenged by human communication, then it's got to be a process. And because of that, number four, we cannot do it ourselves. We have to do it with others. We cannot do it alone. So how do we do this? And how do we make sure that we're hearing God's voice and not, you know, the pizza that we ate last night for dinner, that that's not doing something inside of us, right? 1 John 4.1 uh, has a lot to say about this, and let's read this verse together. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. Right? You, think, you might think you're hearing God's voice, but you've got some questions, and you're like, oh, I don't know, is this, is this it? I mean, you've got seven options to make a decision, and you want to know what the right one is. Well, this verse tells us to test it, and how do you do that? 
the questions that I've listed on the bottom of your sheet help you do exactly that. If you ever wonder if you're hearing God's voice, again, this is a practical sermon, and you want to know, is that God or not? Here is a great place to start. Does it make Jesus look good, right? Does it exalt Christ? Is it in line with other scripture? It's hard to know what God is saying if we don't know what God has already said. And there should be a commonality in the flow of that. Do other Christians confirm it or do they think that you're crazy and run away screaming when you talk about what you heard God saying? Does it produce good fruit? Again, it's going to line up with the story, with God's story. And God's story is always about redemption, restoration, um, reconciliation, all good fruit. And finally, if you want to know if God is speaking to you, try doing something and see if God actually does it. So the testing is really important, but more important than that, I want to go back to what Molly said as she was sharing her story. She talked about the times when she's really been able to have clarity on this is when she's taken the time to make some space and to be still, when she's taken the time to observe and to reflect, but also to test uh, with other people. And so this morning, kind of as we close, uh, we just want to give you a chance to do that. So on your sheet, you should have uh, some reflection questions there. And I'm just going to give you a couple minutes, which doesn't seem like a lot, but we are a culture that can't stand silence most times. So uh, a few minutes of silence and reflection. Kim's going to play some music. Um, We just want to give you a chance to really begin to download. Even today as you're sitting here, we believe that God is speaking to you. What has he been saying? If we don't take the time to listen, then the message flies right on overhead. So let's take some time to be with the Lord We'll come back in a couple minutes and we'll wrap up with some worship. So I know that's not nearly enough time, but it's a a good start. And the goal here today isn't to get it all figured out, but it's to begin the process, to even begin to understand the mechanics of how do we hear God's voice and what what does that even look like? I know as we've talked about this, the different way that God speaks and how do we test that and look. um, I still was thinking about this week. I know there are some of us that just think, even after we hear something like this, we want to ask the question, I mean, does God really speak to me? I mean, what reason? Like, why would God even want to talk to me? How, How am I part of his plan? To which I would just say, you're God's kid. You're God's kid. Of course, he would want to talk to you. And I was reminded of this uh, this week. Um, you know, I look at this question, you know, what have I experienced this week? I mean, I've, as you can tell, I've been getting sick. As you can probably tell, uh, we've had a lot going on as a church, and God's been doing exciting things with our core class. And we had a retreat all weekend, and uh, it was an environment that didn't really lend itself uh, to getting healthy. But what it also didn't lend itself to well is this idea of relationships. And it's been, part of being a pastor is it's been hard, like the normal schedule, everybody gets to go home after their job at the end of the day, and, and that's not always the case for pastors. In fact, a lot of time it's nights, and, and that was okay to kind of navigate when it was just Heather and I, but as we've had kids, it's got increasingly, increasingly harder. And even for a while there, as I was in school and, and doing youth ministry and trips, I mean, I was traveling like six to eight weeks a year, and... It was, it was pretty easy at first. I mean, it wasn't that easy just to leave my wife uh, for a few weeks of travel, but, but it, was, it, was, it was manageable. And then as these kids got older and as they began to speak and uh, as they would say, Dad, why, you have to leave again? Like, where are you going? And, 
uh, it just got harder and harder. And some of you as parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about when, uh, when you go a period of time and, and even when you're on a date with your wife or spouse and you're just exhausted, eventually the conversation comes all the way back around to the kids because it's been like 45 minutes and you just miss the little buggers. Even though they can be the most frustrating people on the planet at times. Right? Even though they can just absolutely be hard to deal with. But this, again, is yesterday as I'm coming home from this retreat, as I'm thinking, man, I haven't really had a great conversation or a chance to hang out with my kids for, it's honestly, it's been a couple days since we've really, our schedule lined up and we just had time to do nothing. And I look back on that now, and you know what's amazing about my drive home yesterday? It's that I didn't get a speeding ticket. As I drove from West Des Moines to Urbandale from my house, uh, I mean, the retreat got done at 2 o'clock. and 2.10, I had everything thrown in a box in the corner of my office, and I was out the door on my way to see my kids. And I got in the door, and I ran, and I saw them, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope they're not napping like they're supposed to be right now. And I walk in, and there they are. They're playing Legos, and they're having fun, uh, and they're excited, and they're totally not napping like they're supposed to be, uh, which secretly I was good with that, but... Um, and I just thought about that moment and how excited I had been to get home. And why was that? It was because that they were my kids, right? I mean, all I want to do is go home and just give them a hug and talk and just say, how was your day? How was your soccer game? Did you score any goals? Just to have that conversation. And so if I go to that moment and I make it so I can be that close to my kids, what are the chances that I'm going to go that far and then I'm not going to say anything, right? They're pretty slim. And if you hear nothing else that I say to you this morning, just make sure that you hear this. This is 1 John 3, chapter 3, verse 1. And John knew something about what it meant to be God's kid because he says, See how very much our Father loves us. Another translation says, See how much love he has lavished upon us. For we are his children. If you hear nothing else this morning, I pray that you hear this. You are God's kid. And because you are his kid, there is power and there's authority and there's privilege that comes with that. It's not always easy, but I'll tell you what, it is always good being God's kid. It is always good to remember our identity. And so if you're wondering if God will speak to you, of course he will. You're his kid. And because of that, he loves you. And so if you would, would you stand with me, please? As we, his children speak to him and and during this song as we reflect i want you to pay attention to the words i want you to make it your prayer i want you to open yourself up if you can to hear what god has to say let's just take time to worship together and we'll come back when it's done and we'll we'll head on out